Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here with Rob Iman. Hey, Michelle. Hello. We are here to discuss the sermon from this past Sunday, March 14th, which was Bold Beliefs and Gentle Witness of the Church from Philippians 2, verses 14 through 16a. Through 16a, that's right. What you said. (laughs) I couldn't put everything in. There was too much in there. (laughs) I know. I have been working on my um, devotion for our midday meditations for Holy Week. And I'm like, I chose too many verses. <laughs> <laughs> well, shorten it down, Michelle. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, I guess I could shorten it. It's a, it is my decision. But, um, but we're not talking about that today. We are talking about Philippians 2, 14 through 16. Such challenging verses. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, do everything without grumbling or complaining. I mean, right there. <laughs> that could be a whole What do you thing. mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you know that 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 has um, really been just percolating in my soul the last couple of weeks. I've run across this passage so many times in my lifetime, and every time I do, it it reminds me, and just challenges me on what's my attitude. You know, if I'm complaining and grumbling, what's the focus of my faith? What's the focus of my trust? What's the focus of my goal? Because a complaint and grumbling and arguing suggests that I'm not trusting in God, or I'm not. I'm trusting more in myself or, you know, there's just, you sit back and think, yeah, when you look at it at that level, it makes a whole lot of sense. Hmm. Uh, complaining and arguing is a statement of lack of faith uh, in a good God who can step in and make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. To be, and- to be challenged by that, by that passage in first uh, Corinthians 10, where the apostle Paul said that their example of grumbling is a, is an example and warning to us. Mm. Really? It's a warning? Anyway, it's very challenging. Right. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I, you know, because because you brought up the Israelites as an example of grumbling and complaining. And I was immediately brought back to my um, Bible study of the life of Moses and mm. feeling incredibly convicted by the fact that they're grumbling and complaining in the midst of all of these wonderful gifts that God is giving them. And it's focusing on what they've lost and not what they have. So I think it's easy for us to to do that, to focus on what we've lost or to focus on our unmet expectations. Oh, that's huge. Both of those are huge, Michelle. Right. Yeah. And when we do that, then we complain and we grumble and we don't look any different than the people around us. And, and we forget, I mean, um, I think it's, was it Psalm 71 maybe, which talks about how the Israelites were walking through the wilderness. And I mean, God was all over the place, but his footprints were hidden. You know, sometimes we, we go through these days and these times and, and we think that we're on, in this all alone because we don't see God, but he's there. His footprints are hidden from our sight, but he is still there. He's still working out his purposes in every, every experience we have. 
Because mm -hmm. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. So he's here. Yeah. And I loved the, um, you know, because you'll have, I don't have my Bible with me. So you'll have to remind me what the verses say. Do you want to use mine? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Just toss it over. <laughs> read that, would you? Exactly. Uh, but it's do not do everything without grumbling or complaining. Um, so that you will be blameless and pure. Is that God in a crooked and depraved generation? Yeah. Right. And and I love that that you brought out the us versus them mentality that we can fall into. And the illustration that you uh, gave for how God sees the crooked and depraved generation. You pulled out- Pokey bear. Pokey bear. I was like, is it pokey bear or pokey bear? <laughs> pokey bear, because he's got polka dots. He's polka polka dots. Pokey bear, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that just really spoke to me as, and it reminded me also of our last conversation where our motivation is love. Now, this, this is the challenge because, you know, um, Isaiah says, God says, my ways are not your ways. As, you know, as high as the heavens are, as, you know, that my ways are higher than yours. My ways are different from yours. And that passage, by the way, is set, is, is set in the context of God's compassion and God's love. His love and his compassion are not like ours. So much greater than we anticipate. And I, I know, Michelle, when I read that passage, the very first thing I think about is us, them, you know. We are the ones who are set apart. They are the ones who are depraved. But, you know, they are us. We are them. Uh, we've just received grace that, that gives us an opportunity to have grace passed through us to them. So there, there is no us, them. And, and as the Lord looks at them, how can I learn to look at the world the way, the way God looks at the world? Yeah, it's a lost toy. It's uh, it's broken. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be returned to its maker. You know, mm -hmm. um, so that that was a humbling part for me as well. Yeah, needs to go to the Nana hospital. <laughs> Nana, <laughs> Nana and our at our family was the one who always fixed the broken toys. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, the stuffed animals at least <clears throat> she would go stitch. She would stitch them up. Yes, my mother was the same type of way. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so and so what, what I like about this, Michelle, something that I had not seen before in this text is that it sets up a really strong contrast between God's people. I'm not going to say us, but God's people and the world's people. Mm -hmm. and, and Paul even talks about how we shine like stars in the universe. Uh, I thought a lot about that. And there's some really powerful um, metaphors going on there that I think we might miss. For instance, Ancient people, when they looked up at the stars, that became their symbol for eternal heavenly beings, for mm. spiritual beings. And so for Paul to call us stars, was he thinking about us being like, like eternal beings? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know? And we shine because our lives give a different way to go. Our lives show a different pattern, show a different priority, reveal the, the, the presence of God in the midst. And so we do shine and it is dark and, and we're not surprised by it. We're not taken aback by it. I, 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 sh I shouldn't be surprised when people do crazy things, when governments decree things that are so outside of what the Lord decrees as being right and proper in his word, but to simply look back and say, wow, 
there's a something for the Lord to fix there. And how do I respond to it? Right. And it's something for the Lord to fix mm. and for us to respond to. Right. Yeah. And not react. Uh, right. I mean, I think that's those, that's where I've been living the past few weeks is when I react, I'm reacting in self-preservation. It is a knee gut. It is a, it is a knee jerk reaction. Um, you know, like, what do I need to do to protect myself? But when I respond, I'm taking mm -hmm. a minute. I'm asking the Lord, what do I, what do you want from me in this moment? And then oh, I'm good. acting on that. And that's just been helpful for me in framing in, was that a reaction or was that a response? Oh, that's well put. I really like the way you put that because so many times I react to a circumstance that happens to me. You know, the illustration I use, I found, I found the evidence of Jasmine peeing on the carpet, nice big <laughs> puddle, <laughs> you know, wow. late at night. And I react, I reacted to that. I was angry. You know, mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's slowing down my bedtime. She's changing my plans. She's making things harder for me. Um, but the response is, wait a minute, God's in charge of what happens in my circumstances. I'm responsible for how I respond. So in what way does my response help build the family who's watching how dad now is acting on this particular surprise? <laughs> uh, I, I, think, I think it's the response that God wants me to get, not the reaction. So I, I really appreciate what you said, Michelle. It's good. Yeah, thank you. I, um, one of the things you said, is the, which is building on the previous sermons, love mm -hmm. brings the unity. Mm -hmm right? Humility preserves the unity. Yes. And then in this week, in these verses, we're seeing that the willingness to follow Jesus's way allows the unity to shine. Going yes. back to what you said about stars. Yeah. And that's, and, and we often don't think about it, you know, that, that the way that you and I interact um, as followers of Jesus Christ is so much bigger than just following rules or putting on a happy face. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. rules and happy faces have nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, God has appointed us, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, to be ambassadors of reconciliation, you know, uh, to, to take his good news out to the world. And one way we do that is by how we relate to each other and how we relate to the world. I was reviewing Romans 12 again today, earlier today, blown away by that passage. Uh, you know, that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You mm -hmm. don't, don't take, don't be angry at folks in as much as it depends upon you live at peace with all people, all, all people, you know, so that, so that we, you know, be, be willing to be wrong, be willing to have someone um, treat you with injustice uh, and let that be the thing that then speaks to them that there's a different realm, there's a different reality. Jesus standing before Pilate. And he says, so you are a king? He says, well, if I, if, not, not of this realm. You know, otherwise, my, my disciples would be coming to, to take over. But I'm a king, but I'm not of this realm. It's a totally different way of looking at life. It really is. And it, it you know, the more, I, the more I look at Jesus, the more I read scripture, the more I look at the way God works in scripture, in life right now, more I realize that it feels upside down. 
Mm. Going back to God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it's um, like, when does giving up my rights bring God glory? Mm. And, and when does standing up for my rights bring God grief? And it seems it's like, but so it's just, there's just so many examples and I can't even think of a good one right now, but of, of God's way being the opposite of my natural instincts. Yeah. Yeah. God's way being the opposite of my natural instincts. I have a desire to do one thing. And the Lord says, think about that, respond in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's where the practice comes in, doesn't it? I mean, we right. need to practice these things because 160, 168 hours a week, we are influenced by our culture, listening to news or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the water in which we swim. And so there is a practice that we need to do one with another to help us learn how to follow what God has laid out. I mean, you look at the Sermon on the Mount. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Wow, who can do that? Right. You know, if, you're even ang- if you're angry at your brother, then you've, you've murdered him. I mean, you're guilty of, of murder. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's ups- it feels upside down, but it is totally right side up as, as we emulate what God would have us to do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I don't want to take the analogy too far, but as I'm thinking about stars, one of the things I wrote down is stars shine brighter the darker the night. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I think mm-hmm. about light pollution, and I wonder, um, you know, what what kind of light pollution is uh, dimming my my brightness? As wow, Christ. Yeah, I know that's not taking it too far at all, Michelle. Um, I actually had I actually had a long section of the sermon that had to end up on the uh, the cutting room floor that had to do with stars and. Um, how a darkening night, which some people would liken what's going on in our culture right now as a darkening taking place, mm-hmm. but a darkening night allows even the dimmest stars to be seen. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one side of it. The other side of it is where, what kind of light pollution is making me less noticeable? And in what way am I becoming more like the world? And so you can't even tell I'm different, you know? Um, I, think, no, I think you're right to, to push it that far and even further still. Yeah. And I don't know if I, I mean, that's just something that I've been thinking about just now. And so I don't even know, yeah, what, what practically speaking, what is something that I need to change in order to eliminate some of that light pollution? Um, so that's just something I'm, I'm thinking about. And if, you know, if you have ideas or if any of our audience has ideas, I would love to hear some ideas of what possible light, you know, what specifically could we identify as light pollution that would dim our, our own lights? Um, I mean, part, if we push this into it a little bit more, I mean, uh, anytime that we allow darkness in, um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not light pollution, but it makes us dimmer because we look more dark. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, um, the, um, uh, the scriptures are clear but in the wisdom literature. Uh, okay, let's go back to what we talked about last time about anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, any kind of expression of anger is 
is really, I mean, in the wisdom literature, anger is always, always connected with the foolish. It is never connected with the wise. Mm. Um, so mm. you have to sit back and think, okay, so in my, in my righteous anger, in my drive to get things done right, in my writing quotes, um, in what way is that actually dimming my light? Mm. In what way is that actually uh, um, inhibiting what God wants to do? I remember, I remember um, a long time ago, back in this, a long time ago, um, when I was in college and doing campus crusade stuff, we were doing chicken fights on the, on the beach where, you know, yeah. guys would have a, a peg taped to their forehead and they put a girl on their shoulders and the girls would have wadded up mag magazines and they would try to swat and break the egg. And once the guy's egg was broken and they were out of the race. And so uh, they always generated a great crowd. <laughs> just, you know, and then the crowd would be there and we would go and we would share the four spiritual laws with them. Um, but there was one guy that I approached after uh, one of these chicken fight things, and and he, I mean, he's, his his words come back to me. Uh, mm. He said he said why why fighting? I said because it draws a crowd, i.e., it's pragmatic, it works, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, he said, well, why do you need, need to draw a crowd with fighting? Because that's what people want to see. So why are you allowing fighting to be something that is used for the Lord's work? It's a game, you know. I think I think he was pushing it too far, but it's his his words come back to me and have carry with me. Obviously, I still remember them. Asking the question, what role does anger? What role does does any of this stuff play in helping me shine brightly? Because mm. it's backwards. Yeah, it feels upside down. The more I, you know, I, I get angry about this, really, you have to get angry about that. Yeah. If if if, if I have to get angry to be motivated to do something just justly. Maybe I, I'm warped somewhere else. My love, my love is not strong enough. Um, so this is this is my place of challenge these days. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's challenging, and and I think you know one of the other things that's challenging that you brought up in your sermon. Both words and actions are needed, and our words and our actions need to align. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. so easy to talk, to say the right things and do something else. Yeah. And that, you know, that, that goes back to the Campus Crusade illustration again, where, where we were just doing words. We weren't showing love. We were mm -hmm. talking about God's love. You know? um, and, and to have the, the words align with the actions, the power of that goes beyond understanding. And how and how that can that, that can change a person's life, how God can use that in a beautiful way. Um, There's another thought that just crossed my mind about that. That when when the words and actions align, the light begins to shine. I don't mean to rhyme that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have that written down as part of my notes from your sermon. Ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, I, I started the sermon by saying, um, you know, the two two lines the two lines of thought that have really been just with me for months now is you know how does my response to god's love for me allow god's life to flow into me without limit and what does it look like for me to live biblically mm -hmm. because you know i thought i understood this you know mm -hmm. I, I think i i i you know because uh i was thinking about this the other day so so the sword of the spirit i think about okay I'm gonna, you know put on the full armor god <laughs> You know? 
is that really what Paul intends? You know, um, I, I, where, where does my world, my association with this planet and this planet's ways, dim out the light that God wants to save in me? Um, Self-sacrificial, the, uh, the willing to take a hit and a hit and a hit, a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it, but it, it's really challenging me these days, Michelle. And I'm, I'm really, um, sometimes I'm just, I'm, I'm not bringing answers. I'm just bringing my own questions to the fore and seeing how other people respond to them as well. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I do just want to clarify one thing when you talk about um, what would happen if I lived biblically, because I think that could go one of two ways. There is someone, and I can't remember the name or the title of the book, but I think it's a year of living biblically. Like there's somebody who wrote a book about that and he lived according to the Old Testament laws. Well, I'm not saying Old Testament laws. So that's what I, that's what I want to clarify. Like you're not talking about that kind of law abiding biblically. It's following the principles. It's letting God's word transform your heart and your Right. Right. Exactly. I appreciate you bringing that up because right now I'm breaking biblical law because I'm wearing cotton and polyester. I've merged two different fabrics together, you know, (laughs) um, spandex too in my socks. So, um, yeah, that's a really, what's that? I said, be careful. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a really good, good point, Michelle. What I'm talking about when I say live biblically, um, it is the principles that Jesus has laid out for us. It's the law of Christ. You know, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Um, the, uh, the teaching of the Apostle Paul and how we respond to the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's much more of a transformed heart kind of approach than a list of things I've got to do kind of approach. I, I liken it to a, a map and a compass, you know, that in the Old Testament, um, God gave us a list of 613 things we've got to do. Uh, in the New Testament, he says, here's a map and a compass, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, let the Holy Spirit guide you in that. And, uh, and I used to do orienteering when I was a younger man, and uh, a map and a compass was all you needed. Uh, to be able to get from point A to point B. And if I'm, if I'm racing with somebody else, they might choose a totally different path to take, but it's okay to take that path because mm. it ends up in the same place. Uh, and so I just really feel like God gives us a map and a compass. So to live biblically for me is to, is to see what, what the scripture says about my life and lifestyle mm-hmm. and to be open to new ways of looking at things like not us and them, like God's love. He's not angry. I don't believe he's angry at the people who are not following him. He's like, I want you come, you know, he's, he's reaching out to them. It's fascinating to me that, that the scriptures, the, that God has to be incited to anger. Okay. He's got a long nose. That's what the old Testament says. It takes a long time for the nose to get red. It takes a long time for him to get angry. Uh, And he has to be incited to anger. He has to, he has to have, have something happen again and again and again and again and again and again and again, but he's never incited to grace. He's never incited mm. to mercy. Mm. Grace and mercy flow from him. And so I want, I want to try to yeah. try to rewire my thinking on that. Is he angry? Yeah, I, I believe the wrath of God is being poured out, you know, Romans chapter one. Yeah, I think that there is an anger there. And yet, 
his default is grace and love. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to be incited to those things. Mm -hmm. So that, that so so it's living biblically by the principles that are clearly seen in the New Testament, and by things I'm not yet really fully understanding, like God's love, which is far greater than I ever expected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we need to end. Any last thoughts? <laughs> well, I think I've said enough to get myself in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It's easy to get in trouble these days. But yeah, I, I think I, I want to continue to ponder God's love and his grace and my reaction versus my response. I like that. Yeah, God's love and grace, my reaction versus my response. And I think about Jesus's words, because I, you know, I talked earlier about how, how he's not king of this realm. He's king of a different realm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but he has sovereignty over this realm, you know, mm -hmm. this, 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 this is, this is the place where Satan is ruling right now. And this is the place where Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar. So there is a realm that is um, something that we give to that is not what we give to God, because our realm is, is the kingdom of God. So I appreciate those three things um, to think about reaction and response. Um, what realm am I living for? And you have a third one. What was the third one? I forgot it. God's love and grace. God's love and grace. Thank you. Great way to end this. It is. Thank you so much, Rob, for your time today and oh. for your marinating in the word on our behalf. <laughs> well, Michelle, I do so appreciate you. Thank you for leading this time and for uh, helping us get the word out in different ways. Yes, you're welcome. All right. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.